Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. I hope you're doing well and thank you for listening. Today's guest is Zhang Nguyen. Zhang is a researcher at York University who studies the weather systems on exoplanets, which are planets that are outside of our solar system. He recently wrote a paper exploring what has now famously been known as a hell planet, as the hell planet, uh, scientifically known as K2141b, and he's here today to share with us his findings, his research, how they were able to figure this out, and so much more about our solar system and space in general. It was awesome having him on, and uh, we look forward to hearing from him again. Be sure to let us know and send us some feedback. Our email is robsprobablywrong at gmail.com. Thank you, and enjoy. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind, and you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. All right, so we're joined here today by uh, Zhang Nguyen, who is a uh, exoplanet weather person, I guess you could say. It's probably a, a more accurate way of describing it. Is that, yeah, is that yeah, correct? A forecaster. A forecaster. For- <laughs> right. And why is it that you're a forecaster? It's actually, uh, it's because it's, um, I predict what's going on, but it's kind of ironic in a sense too, because it's 200 light years away. So you're actually looking at the weather 200 years ago, which might not be forecasting per se. It's a uh, backcasting. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Not forecasting at all. It's no, no, no foreshadowing. It's all, it's already happened. So tell us a little bit about, uh, I always get this one wrong. K2141B. Tell us about that. Yeah, that yeah. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is correct. Um, you probably do have the paper in front of you, so you can just <laughs> glance over and check. Yeah, I was looking uh, for it, and I'm like, oh, yep, that's it's right. on the title. That's the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a it's a recently discovered exoplanet. Uh, so it was discovered by uh, Italian researchers in 2018. So it's a um, it's a super Earth. So it's a it's like a slightly bigger than uh, an Earth-sized planet, but it's still pretty small in the grand scheme of things if you compare to Jupiter or, or Neptune that are like 10 times bigger or 100 times bigger than Earth. Um, so, so yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's like an Earth-sized planet that orbits very close to its star. And so, um, you know, uh, they, they, the, the, the talent team put out, you know, this newly discovered planet. It was very easy to, discover, uh, to observe it because it has a very fast orbit. So it makes a lot of orbits. And so you can detect it through the dimming and the brightening of the star whenever the planet goes around it. Right. Yeah, and so, uh, so then, uh, you know, I set out to, or we set out to, uh, you know, try and see what the atmosphere on this planet is like. And we discovered that since, you know, the planet is so close to its star, uh, the rocks, the rocky surface on the uh, the planet K two one four B not just melts and form a giant magma ocean, but it also vaporizes that magma ocean, and you you have essentially rock air, you know, that builds above this ocean. And we also found that um, you know this air will tend to blow away from you know the ocean, and the wind speed can reach up to you know two kilometers per second. And so that's uh, many times the speed of sound on this planet. And it also um, follows a uh, rocky hydrological cycle such that, you know, rock melts and evaporates. And then in the air, it condenses as well when it gets cool enough and you get rock rain and then rock snow. So it, it has a quite active weather that is composed entirely of rocks. And, so- uh, and that's no. I was going to say that's all I have to say about it. What uh, for instance, So, are, are you talking about like liquid rocks are raining? Uh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So liquid rocks. Um, and then um, essentially, um, I mean, yeah, this is speculative. The when right. I talk about snow and it it may form snowflakes because uh, quartz actually has 
the same hexagonal structure yes. as ice. So, um, but but again, that's uh, speculative. But it'll be it'll be cool to imagine, you know, uh, quartz snowflakes falling from the sky. So so let's break that down for a second. This planet was discovered in 2017 by Italian. Oh, 2018, or at least it was published in 2018. It very well be possible that it was discovered before that, you know, like, oh my God, look at this planet through this telescope. We got to write it down (laughs) and we got to publish it. And the published date was 2018. So gotcha. Yeah. yeah. And there's always, well, because this paper, it's saying that it was, uh, it's not supposed to be, well, in in March 2020, it was published. Is that right? When Um, was this paper? My paper? Yeah. No, 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 no. So uh, it, it was published in um, the day of the election, the U.S. election. Okay. So yeah. that's that. Yeah, that's a but very we'll, neat time landmark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Land yeah. on. Yeah. We'll we'll get there in a second. But uh, mm-hmm. how, how did they discover this planet? Tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what was the technology that they used? Okay. So um, so the name uh, of the, the planet and the star actually tells you a bit about it. So K2 mm-hmm. uh, stands for the second phase of the Kepler mission. So Kepler was a orbital telescope that NASA sent out to pretty much catalog all the known exoplanets and to discover more exoplanets. So it's, its job is there just to detect exoplanets and then uh, record it, you know, right. and we build a catalog out of that. And so K214b is one of those star that has one of the orbiting planet, uh, K2141b. So, but just just to clarify, K2141b is the planet, not the star. Yeah, the star is K2141. Gotcha. Yeah, so, okay. so, for every star that's discovered by Kepler is always, in the second phase at least, is always K2 and then some number. Yeah. It's like uh, the, the order of, you know, the star they discovered or something like that. What, what do you mean? What do they mean by phases, like phases of exploration? Oh, uh, yeah. So funny thing about Kepler. So, um, so the original mission was just the Kepler mission, mm-hmm. except uh, what happened was that the, um, I think that the, I uh, forgot the name of like the system. So anyway, uh, a satellite has a bunch of wheels in it. So that's how it orientates. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what happens, like one of those wheels uh, had a malfunction. And so, um, the, the Kepler telescope couldn't uh, direct at certain things. And so what happens is that the scientific community and people who operate this Kepler mission suddenly has like, um, uh, like a different observation instrument essentially because it can't sort of um, point at something. So they have to implement certain ways to, uh, to sort of salvage Kepler and you know just only detect certain things that they can detect oh so sorry I, I, I... so so yeah so that's the second thing <laughs> yeah. so, so something went wrong with the Kepler mission that's why there's two phases yeah 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 so uh, yeah it's a uh, internal mechanics uh, oh, that, okay um, yeah yeah no it's one of the motors uh, so it had to come it, back to earth no 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 it okay didn't. so um it's just out there and uh, it's like, we couldn't control it. Like right. We and so we have to build pretty much new objectives uh, to, you know, salvage the fact that we still have somewhat functioning telescope out there in space. Yeah. Cause how are you going to fix it? It's way out there. Right. Yeah. So you've, what they've done with the Kepler mission is they've kind of adjusted to like, it's gone off course, I guess. Is that sort of what you're saying? Uh, well, it, you made it sound like it's just flying far away from its orbit. It's just yeah. that I think it can't orientate itself towards the target. Oh. Uh, like we use the target. So I think it can still target, but it's like much harder. There's okay. certain things you can't maneuver around. And so, um, so that's why, uh, yeah, they have to get new objectives. What, when did they launch the, this satellite? Uh, all right. Uh, let me, let me, <laughs> let me. Oh, Google sorry. That. <laughs> uh, because I don't really know. I only know that it was like somewhat. Uh, so 2009. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 2009, they launched this, and you know, whereabouts is it right now? Is it? Um, I think it's been decommissioned. Oh. Uh. 
actually haven't heard from Kepler in a while, so I assume it's been decommissioned, just like Spitzer, another um, orbital telescope out there. So I think only Hubble is still up. Mm -hmm. And they're going to launch a new telescope it's called the James Webb Space Telescope. So that's going, that's the big one Yeah, uh, that's going to launch. Oh yeah, and they also have a TESS, another NASA mission, or ESA. It's probably, they work in collaboration to get these missions out to observe exoplanets. So, the, and the paper talks about the James Webb launch a little mm -hmm. bit. What, what year is that scheduled for? So... It was, I think it was designed. Uh, so it was designed in like either the 90s or the early 2000s. It was like supposed to launch in the mid 2000s, but now it's been delayed to October 2021. Mm -hmm. So next year. Yeah. And, and this one is going to be like... It... Well, it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah. That's what you want a telescope. And the important thing is that it can actually look at more wavelengths. Mm. Uh, and it, look, it can look at, in particular, the infrared wavelengths, uh, which is the wavelengths that are uh, longer than your red. So you can't see it with the human eye. Right. But it's a very good marker for detecting things like atmospheres. Yeah, when it comes to the sort of like the, uh, this, you're going to... I don't know what I'm talking about here, but the, the spectrometer or whatever, ultraviolet rays, those are the ones. Yeah. yeah, those are the ones that we can see ultraviolet. <clears throat> oh, no, you can't see ultraviolet. Uh, okay. But uh, actually, butterflies can see ultraviolet. And apparently, it's how they can see things like nectar and uh, hmm. sort of like liquids that blend very well into the background. Um, I think. Uh, evolutionary wasn't worth it for humans, I guess, to develop UV vision. Uh, it would be kind of cool if we did, but, <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's just the visible wavelength is what we see with our eyes. Yes. Yeah. So that's from red to blue. So this uh, James Webb telescope, it will be able to see not ultraviolet, but infrared. Yeah. Infrared. What's, what's so special about that? What? So, um, <clears throat> So infrared means it's a long wavelength. So um, a lot of it depends on just how warm uh, something is. And it doesn't, so something doesn't need to be as hot to produce infrared radiation. Right. Uh, as opposed to say white light, right? If you want to produce white light, you're going to need a burning star to produce white light. So, you know, get in deep red. You don't need, you know, any fancy fusion or something like that. It's just something that needs to be somewhat warm okay. to emit infrared. So, so by having this, they'll be able to see where there, there could have been, uh, it, you know, dead stars, supernovas, things like that, to, to kind of get a sense of where there might be other planets, like. Um, so uh, I know that, uh, so infrared is sort of used for things like clouds or right. like um, dust. You know, it's like a lot of something that it, it doesn't produce its own heat, right? So uh, it's hard for us to see. So the only thing, only way we can see is if it's, you know, reflecting existing light, right? But if you just use infrared, you can actually just see, you see it because it emits some infrared radiation because it's not, you know, absolutely cold. You actually just kind of made me think about something. Are there, are there weather systems in space? Uh, I would... Well, well, well how, how, how would you define weather? Uh, yeah, that's a great like, point. I mean, like, like weather, weather, when you say in space, do you mean like in like a grand nebular Milky Way kind of thinking or like on other planets, you know, like on Titan, are there, is there weather systems on Titan? Right. Well, could, in between planets, like in space, in the space between planets, like it, right? I guess that's how you'd explain it. Are there weather systems? Because I mean, um, I think that they've they've seen like lightning or whatever in space. Yeah, yeah. So if you, because because here's the thing: the the, the word weather has like uh, like an Earth centric yes. view to it. So uh, if you consider lightning strikes on Earth to be part of the weather, which I think it is, and you know, space, there's definitely spots that you know have uh, lightnings in between nebular clouds. Maybe I actually don't know for sure. Um, I, 
I if I if I had to bet, I bet that there is weather on space. Yeah. Well, because we were talking a little bit about you know lightning storms and stuff, and lightning on Earth isn't it? Doesn't it start from the ground and go up? Like it doesn't come from the cloud; it comes from the ground. Oh, so it's random. It's a uh, it's randomized. Sometimes it goes up and sometimes it goes down. And so I think if it's random, so it should be half. So half the lightnings you see are going from the ground up. Okay. And then okay. the other half going from the up down. But you can't see it because it travels so fast. Yeah. And all you can see is a line. It disappears right. and then disappear. Right. Because they have seen in space that there's like lightning strikes or whatever in, in like gas nebulas or something like that. Isn't that true? Um, <clears throat> I actually don't know. That's a, that's a bit outside of my expertise right. <laughs> uh that's that's more for the for the you know ast astronomy purist which i'm not really you know i'm just yeah. an earth guy that's been you know kicked out of the solar system <laughs> <laughs> so going back to to the hell planet what are your thoughts on on, on getting that nickname do you like that nickname well I like that it has a nickname. You know, that's a, that's a lot of press that, you that know, is. I'm, I'm not I'm not going to neglect. You know, <laughs> I'm like it's like yeah, I'm I'm thankful <laughs> people are thinking about this. They're you know they're 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 passionate enough to name it. You know, and, uh, but that's a yeah yeah I don't mind it. Uh, yeah. It's just funny to me that I mean like I think um, CBS or no no I think. Daily Mail, yeah. Daily Mail says like like the the most inhospitable planet we've ever discovered. And I was like, I don't know if that's true because like I don't think you want to live in the middle of Jupiter, you know, <laughs> or you want, you can live in Neptune or I don't know. There, what's the bar for inhos like most inhospitable planet? Right? As like, far <laughs> as I know, this is the only habitable planet. As far as I know, I mean Mars is. Uh... You can't really live there unless you terraform it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, no, no, the, the press says crazy thing, you know. Uh, yeah. People see the word hell planet and they're like, oh, that's, I'm clicking on that. <laughs> 100%. I, I saw that. I'm like, that is incredibly heavy metal sounding. And then I look it up and it's like magma lake. So how did you find out that there's a magma lake? Oh, uh, it's a magma ocean. Magma Actually, ocean. Excuse oh, me. No. I don't know um, what's the difference between an, an ocean and a lake, though, when it's magma, right? Because I think on Earth, it's like <laughs> oceans are salt water and lakes are fresh water. Right, is, right. That, is that how it's defined? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, no, it's, it's just the fact that it's just so hot uh, on the surface. Uh, you know, like um, mm. we predict it to, to be like uh, 3,000 Kelvin. So that's, um, Holy. it's like 2,800 degrees celsius and so that's enough to melt rocks right and therefore and so it, yeah yeah and, and a lot of the surface is like you know somewhere in that range too and so we we don't like we can guess we only guess you know how deep um the ocean is which is like hundreds of kilometers if you just see you know if it extends this heat and it goes all the way down you know like uh, when when does it when does it compress enough to form a solid again you know, yeah like, that's just liquid and yeah, it's just it's just that hot, man. You know, <laughs> that part, like a a good chunk of the the planet is just molten. Now, you you were talking earlier about uh, how quickly it spins around the sun, its star, and that's how you were able to sort of figure this planet out. So, how long is a year? Because a year is a full revolution around the sun, right? So, how long is a year on? This so, um, so. K214 and B is tidally locked right. to its star, which means that its day is the same as its orbit. So the length of day is the same as this, uh, the length of orbit, which is only 6.7 hours, or 6.27 hours, I think, is uh, how I remembered it. Yeah, somewhere around there. Right. So very fast. And yeah, so that's why it's easy to observe this, because it just goes well, yeah. you know, like throughout, throughout a day, you can see it transit three times. and. The more you observe it, you know, the more precise measurements you can get out of it. So, yeah, the the, the more revolutions around the uh, its sun. So, when they're looking at it through the the telescope, they're not seeing the planet. They're seeing weren't they seeing like the uh, the the atmosphere or something? That's what was reflecting the star. 
Um, no, no. So they, they just see uh, like a bunch of pixels that are just the star. Right. And so whenever a planet passes, uh, so that means it blocks some of the light from the star as we look at it. The, the light from the stars dims. Right. And it dims and brightens in a very specific pattern. And that's how we can derive uh, the orbit mechanics of our planet. Okay. So how far away is this planet from its star? Oh, it's like super close. I don't, I don't know the, the number off the top of my head, but it's even closer than Mercury to the sun. And so Mercury is the, the closest planet uh, to the sun we have. And uh, a trivia for you, it's actually not the hottest planet in our solar system. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so uh, K21 is even, it's even um, closer to, to its star than um, Mercury, but I don't know the exact number, I'm sorry. Oh, and, well, and, 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 and here's the thing though, here's the thing with like astronomical numbers, it's just so big. Right? Yes. And so, so, so anything you think of like, say like, like a million kilometers, right? That's to you, that's like an impossible uh, distance to, to fathom. And then you just say twice of that, you know, like the, you know, <laughs> twice of infinity is to infinity, right? Yeah. It's going to be the biggest number you can imagine. So yeah. there's no point of trying it's, to- It's hard for us to really conceptualize the, the metric of the distance, mm -hmm. right? On, on a space scale, yeah. right? like, we're just monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just monkeys sitting on chairs, man. <laughs> so now Mercury is a gas planet, right? It is not, it's rocky. Oh. So, so the four inner planet uh, of the solar system are all rocky. Okay. Because I, I would have thought that, that this, this planet that's so close to its sun wouldn't be able to be uh, a solid planet like a rocky planet. It would, I, I think it'd just be a gas planet because it would just melt. Yeah, but then you, you have a liquid planet. I don't know, it's, <laughs> then you have an ocean planet. Um, uh, well, here's the thing, so- Oh, okay, um, I see, yeah, yeah. No, 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 but the thing too is that, uh, so, so planets are like huge too. And uh, if you don't have an atmosphere, there's no way for the night side to be warm ever. And so mm -hmm. the, the, the side of the planet that's facing away from the sun, it's yes. actually super cold. It's like negative 200 degrees. So, um, wow. yeah, so, so I don't think being close to, and in fact, being close to the star makes it likelier that you're a rocky planet. Uh, I think there's some theory about uh, solar system formation that prefer that kind of setup. And you also notice too that uh, small planets tend to be closer to the star and then big planets would be further out. I wonder why that, why that is. Well, I got on for that, man. Uh, <laughs> is a... But isn't that why this is so fascinating is because we really don't have answers. Yeah. Um, or I think, I think people, people have definitely have theories about it. And they, they probably have written it up too. There's probably some sort of community, com community accepted idea of how the solar system formed. Right. That I just don't know because it's uh, just outside of my field. Right. Again. Uh, just a yeah. dude looking at clouds, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about this planet and you're, you're, you're speculating sort of how it looks, what its characteristics are. You use a number of mathematical formulas in your paper Mm -hmm. What can you tell us about these these formulas that you use? Oh, so um, they're just simple. Well, no, I, I shouldn't say that word. Uh, they're just the. Um, they're not simple for me. I'll tell you that. No, no, no. The the, the correct <laughs> word is elementary. I think that's the that's that's the word mathematicians like to use. They're they're the elementary equations, and right. they do have a name. It's the Navier-Stokes equations. Okay. So uh, it's a popular field in math. Uh, and uh, so, um, so it just solves for what are called differential equations. So uh, when you have your variables, so that so these are like your dimensions, things you want to know, like temperature, pressure, and wind speed, and they interact with each other in a different way. And so uh, the the mathematical model essentially tries to figure out, you know, 
you know, if the pressure and the wind speed is this, you know, what's the temperature going to be, you know, mm. and it's uh, it models fluid movement. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, that was, that's what was kind of giving you a sense of what this planet was like. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you were able, like, how were you able to figure out how fast the winds were? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the winds, uh, on earth are actually driven by uh, pressure gradients. Okay. So, uh, you know, if you check your local weather station, you know, they say a high of something and then a low of something. Oh no, right. that's for temperature. No. Like if you, if you look at when they do like say tropical storms Yes. and they have like high, low, low pressures. Moving, yeah. 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 So, so all, all sorts of wind speed is just driven by the pressure gradient. So high pressure will move to low pressure. Mm -hmm. And, and so uh, what we calculated was, was uh, we calculated, you know, the, the, the temperature is this. And so that means this much gas has to be vaporized given the temperature and given our fluid model, right? Uh, we can calculate, you know, how the pressure changes as you move away from the magma ocean. And so you would have a, a force that pushes the wind. Uh, you can actually imagine it sort of like you're building like uh, you're pushing something up a hill and then it rolls down a hill because there's like a mass difference, right? It's like heavy mass and it just falls. Right, and right. And so that's essentially what's driving the wind. Whoa. So, but like, how does that tell us how fast it's going? You know what I mean? Because saying it's going, what was it? Two miles? Two kilometers per second. Two kilometers per second. Like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's, it's another number you can't conceptualize. Yeah, yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what the margin of error is for something like that. Like, oh, it's probably, <laughs> probably like uh, two plus, plus minus two kilometers per second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zero to four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Because, I mean, like I said, I find this stuff fascinating, but it's like, like you say, we're looking at it 200 years into the, into the past, right? This is what it looked like 200 years ago. Now, the star that it's it's nearest. Well, how old is our star? Because stars don't live forever, as we know. I think uh, so. Isn't it like 4.5 billion years or something? Like yeah, that? yeah. So it's a. I think similar to the age of Earth, which is 4.6. Okay. Uh, let me uh, let me do a quick Google search. Yeah, oh. 4.6. <laughs> that was not bad. That was not a bad guess. So our Earth is or excuse me, our, our star is 4.5 billion years. First of all, how the hell did they figure that out? How old our star is? Um, I actually don't know. I think we may have known how old the Earth and the moon is. Right. Uh, and then we can just deduce that, the, the, you know, the sun couldn't have formed that much earlier than the earth yeah. uh so i actually don't know how they know how old the sun I gotta, is i gotta i gotta look that one up but yeah, yeah. they are saying that our our sun is expanding right now. it is mm -hmm. how much is it expanding a year do you oh sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. every time every time there's a mouse click you're like oh bro yeah, yeah. you don't know yeah okay I, I'll, I'll just concede i don't know uh, yeah but but like is it like a is it a big number uh, no, no, no. It's a, uh, actually, I don't know. Cause the, you're, you're in the cosmos, right? So, you know, uh, like a big number may seems like a small number in the, yes. Scheme of things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but totally. I, I do know that it'll, it'll takes like millions of years, at least for, you know, the suns and Gulf earth. Yeah. Which is for, crazy. Like, yeah. You know, why, that's, why? That's, that's so long ago. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's so far into the future. We, we need not worry about it. Yeah, you know. there's probably, there's probably a, a, like an evolutionary change. Like the, the humans yeah. are no longer the top of the food. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Time. We'll be somewhere else or nowhere at all. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, so this star, are we able to kind of figure out where it is in, in its life cycle? So um, it's actually probably very near the end of its life cycle where it will just become a brown dwarf okay uh, because it's actually uh the its star is actually less brighter than our sun 
So, so, so the star is actually relatively small compared to the sun. Um, and and uh, it's not big enough for it to either go supernova or become a black hole uh, as you do with the typical, you know, life of a star. Right. Is a you, black, you have, sorry, go ahead. No, you have a, you, you have a thought, but. Well, I, I was gonna say is, is a black hole, is that a star? Like, is that a dead star? Uh, yeah, I think, actually, I, I don't know for sure, uh, yeah. but I can guess that it's, um, yeah, I think it's, it's what happened to a star after a supernova, I think, if there's some sort of remnants where the, the matter is so dense. Uh, yeah, the thing about black holes is that it doesn't have to be big, it just has to be so dense that the, the force of gravity is so strong that even light can't escape. Well, I was reading in Stephen Hawking's book, uh, and it was... <laughs> Shoot, what was it? It was. It, it, it's like one of his shorter books. Man, if you read Stephen Hawking, you know more about black holes than me. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even read a word. Stephen okay, Hawking. so he's saying that it, yeah. in the universe, there's tiny black holes, and then there's massive black holes. And it's better that you go through a massive black hole than a tiny one, because you're going to get sucked through the black hole like you're a strand of spaghetti. But you, you, you get pulled into it all the same as you would a massive black hole. As for what's on the other side of it, nobody knows. But it's like, I mean, when you start talking about that, you're just like, wow, how are we here right now? How have we not yeah. been swallowed up by one of these things? Because uh, I feel like if we can be swallowed up by these things, Earth probably already would have swall been swallowed up by these things. That's a damn good point. <laughs> That's a damn good point. I mean, maybe there's, yeah, wow. I, I, I have somebody on in a few weeks that's talking about black holes. So, you know, I'll, I'll stump her. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, this, this dude knows nothing. You're, you're going to fill it all together. He <laughs> <laughs> was saying that like black holes or what? Yeah. yeah was after yeah, supernova? Yeah. She's, she's just going to dismantle everything that I just said there and say that it's all wrong. So. <laughs> Now, hey, hey, I, man, you quoted you quoted Stephen Hawking, so like I paraphrase, I paraphrase Stephen Hawking. I can't take no credit for this guy. No, no, so. yeah, no, you, you cited it properly, so it's a, <laughs> thank it's you. A convincing yeah. argument for the case of why you want to go through a bigger back hole. <laughs> so in this paper, I mean, so much about it. Like, yes, it's talking about this hell planet, of course, but it's saying implications for low and high resolution spectrum spectroscopy so so what's the thank you Spe spectro Spe <laughs> i can't pronounce words today anyways what what does that mean exactly oh so uh it means that we're going past the just the phase of detecting it and now we're going to go into more detailed observations so that's you know high and uh, so that's high resolution spectroscopy uh, and also low resolution, but you want it in like the, the infrared wavelength. So that's the uh, the future tech that we yes. need to get to. But for standard spectroscopy, so uh, it uh, takes into account the Doppler effect, and um, and so uh, the the Doppler effect is most known for us with sound, right? Uh, when a siren, oh, when you yes. a car with a siren that's going towards you, it's a uh, its sirens are going to go in a higher pitch frequency because the sound waves are packed in. But when it's driving away from you, the sound waves are spread out. And so you will hear a lower frequency. So it's going to mm -hmm. sound lower. Uh, so that, and the same thing happens with light as well. And so when you have a, whenever you have a very strong wind speed, you know, like two kilometers per second. And so the light that's traveling uh, in that air, it's also, it's going to shift it by a little bit because of just how fast the medium is moving. And, and so that's one of the things we can detect uh, that we can measure uh, with uh, existing telescopes. So, but what, what does that mean for this planet though, that, that you're seeing, you're, like that's what you're seeing when it's spinning around the star? Uh, yeah, so what happens that the, the light from the star that goes around the planet, it's gonna change a little bit. The wavelength is gonna change okay. a little bit. And, and, and that's what the resolution and spectroscopy means. That means you can look at individual wavelengths 
mm-hmm. of the light that's going through and you see how much it shifts. Right. So, and is that telling us how big the atmosphere is on this planet? Uh, it tells you how fast the wind is. So it's a validation. Of, oh, okay. Uh, and that's right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. Now, do, 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 were you able to figure out if there's like an atmosphere on this planet? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's what our work is that, you know, yeah. given what we know about the planet so far, it should have an atmosphere. Yeah. And this is what the ap- atmosphere should be like. Right. Um, because on earth, like our atmosphere is, I think it's like, isn't it like three kilometers or something from, from the surface of the earth to Oh, know, it's space. much, much higher than that. It's like tens of kilometers uh, of the atmosphere. Okay. So, uh, I mean, so, so in the atmosphere, it's like from, so from earth to space, there's different stages. There's yes, the atmosphere yeah. and that's composed of like the troposphere and then yeah. upper troposphere and then, you know, stratosphere and exospheres, thing like that. Uh, so I guess if you consider the atmosphere to be something below the stratosphere, then you would say, you know, a few kilometer. Mm-hmm. But if you say from earth to all the way to exospheres, like tens or hundreds of kilometers even. Now on this planet, are we, are you able to detect how, you know, how big it, that the. Oh yeah. So, uh, so, so the planet, so the atmosphere on the planet is actually really thin. It's a, uh, okay. yeah. it's about five kilopascal and earth atmosphere is a hundred kilopascal. So it's five, 100. Yes. Yeah, so it's 5% of earth's atmosphere. So it's not very big. Yeah. Cause I'm wondering, like, could could life exist on this planet? Obviously, not anything like us, but like a single-celled organism, like a bacteria or something like that. Uh, I think there would. I mean, because because I said before, the 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 night the day side is you know three thousand Kelvin, right. the night side is like near zero. Uh, so there's there's gotta be you know like a Goldilocks <laughs> band on on the planet where you know the temperature is actually just right. Oh yeah, that's uh, a good point. For things to live on. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about because yeah, there's the super hot side, and then there's the super cold side. But because it's it's pretty constant, in between those two could be, like, you know, obviously not livable for you or me, but possibly for like a eukaryote or whatever, a prokaryote or whatever they're called. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Is, is that something that you guys have, have considered or talked about? Oh, no. So that's more into like astrobiology. That's, that's for... Dude, um, that sounds cool. Astrobiology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh, yeah, they do a lot of search for extraterrestrial stuff. So, so they, they look for like biosignatures uh, on distant planets. Um, so things like methane gas... Um, but I don't, I don't do any of that stuff. Have you ever thought about doing anything like that? Well, I mean, the thing with bi- astrobiology is I feel like it's even more speculative than what I'm doing, you know? It's like, that's, uh, that's a good point. Because yeah. like, I'm talking about this planet, but you know, I'm, I'm, uh, we, we, we haven't actually been observed it as closely. Um, right. So, so my paper is actually just making an argument that, yo, we should look at this uh, even, for, uh, even more closely mm. uh, to sort of, understand just exoplanets in general because uh, here's the thing uh we we actually haven't been able to find or detect uh, a rocky planet's atmosphere before uh, so technology hasn't allowed us to do it yet uh, oh. but with k214 and b is actually the best candidate to observe an atmosphere of a rocky planet outside the solar system what why why is that because uh, so uh, so it actually has the fastest uh, orbit that so we've quick. ever discovered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the thing with a fast orbit is that we can look at it yeah. a lot uh, when you do the see it four times in one day almost. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So uh, yeah, that's why, and uh, it it's pretty big too. So it dims a lot of light uh, as opposed to like a smaller planet. You know. So you see a bigger dip in right. the light coming in from a star. Ah, that is pretty crazy. Now here's another speculative question for you. Do you think that there are is life on other planets? There's gotta be. Um, 
considering you know how big the cosmos is right it's a uh, it's, it's think... unfathomable we cannot fathom how big the cosmos is <laughs> yeah yeah right oh, i can't i can't fathom a plane ride from Sydney <laughs> to LA. <laughs> There's no way I can fathom yeah. <laughs> how many how many planets there are in the universe. Yeah. You know, there's a great quote out there. I forget what it is, but there's this game called XCOM, and at the beginning of it, there's this quote. And it says, "Yeah, yeah, I played it. I played it. Yeah, it's like either we are alone in the universe or we're not, but both conclusions both are." Disturbing. equally terrifying yeah, yeah equally terrifying yeah and, and you think about that and you're like yeah that that's completely correct and mm. the other thing is is that what life would look like on other planets there's no way it would look like what we look like because it would adapt to whatever its environment is kind of like in australia you have kangaroos right this is neil degrasse tyson that i'm now paraphrasing so oh, in yeah, Australia, like... <laughs> you have kangaroos, but here in North America, you have deers. But at one time, or deer, excuse me, deer. But at one time when it was Pangaea, you know, it was all together, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then as it, they separated, the continent split apart, those animals adapted. So whatever life we would find would be adapted to the planet it's on. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it, man. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doubting anything you say. Yeah. But like, that's, I don't know. Like, so we find life on another planet. Then what? Oh, then I lose my job. Uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to, I'm going to flip burgers and make a D's now. That's <laughs> how did you, how did you get into this? Yeah. So, uh, I was actually, uh, studied to become a weatherman. Uh, and this right. was a, mcgill and uh when i applied for grad school because i wanted to explore you know weather systems even more because it's pretty cool i was right. really into storms um and then actually uh, there's a there's a lot of dedicated storm chasers <laughs> among people who do what i do uh yeah and then uh so i applied and then uh, randomly this york professor asked me if i want to study the weather on mars and i was like yo i want to tell people i work I studied the weather on Mars. Now I'll do that. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And then uh, next thing you know, he's like, "Hey, Zhang, how you how you like studying the weather on planets outside the solar system?" I'm like, "Whoa. Yeah. That's so underground." Okay. Stop yeah. right there. Yeah. Yeah. So other than K two one four one B, what other planets? And other than uh, Mars, of course. What other planets have you looked at? No, that's it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so you're just getting started. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it took, yeah, yeah, it took me like a, a couple years to to pump out this publication back yeah. back when it was just an infant baby. It's like, hey, Zang, what are you doing this year, this summer? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it took quite a while, and uh, we're still looking at it even further. So, uh, so my paper is actually being used for a proposal. Okay. Uh, so, when, when James Webb launched, you know, we want X amount of hours to look at this planet, and we have to compete with I other. Did. I scientists you know they're like oh yeah. we have a cooler planet than you this one has a this one has like a blue ocean you know <laughs> so, right. so it's like a, so we gotta we gotta make a convincing argument that kt14b is in the very least a very interesting case to look at so james webb is overseen by nasa no, that's correct right so you'll submit this paper to nasa to to try and get so many hours that uh, will be... so, well here's the thing though um so it's not entirely funded by NASA. So okay. different space agencies actually have different um, requirements for participation in the James Webb telescope. So the European Space Agency, they, like, their job is just to launch it. You know, oh. like that's all they have to do. But like other countries like Canada, you know, we build specific instruments on the James Webb telescope. And yeah. because we built specific instruments, so. Canadians actually have an allotted amount of time for observations, as does other countries that has contributed to uh, the James Webb Space Telescope. Who, who controls the most of James Webb and it's sort of, you know, oversees what it's going to do? Oh, uh, 
if I had to take a guess, I don't know for sure, but I'm almost certain it's the U.S. It's never yeah. not the U.S. The, the U.S. <laughs> contribution to space exploration is unrivaled, I think. Uh, right. Up until very recently, now that you got China going in the fray, and you also have private uh, entities yes. like SpaceX and Blue Origin trying to get into space. Yeah, because because NASA is still a, a government, like it's a federal thing. Right? It's, yeah, it's a public States. institution. Yeah, whereas um, SpaceX and what's Jeff Bezos's one? Uh, Blue Origin. Blue Origin, yeah. So they could do whatever they want. Uh, so I think they, they still have to follow space regulations. Uh, I think. Oh. Well, because here's the here's the thing with with. Uh, with rockets, you know, 99% of the things we've ever strapped onto a rocket is a bomb. So, uh, so that's why, uh, so that's why space launch is actually very heavily regulated. Right. Because uh, they, you know, governments don't want people just launching random yeah, things. Yeah, fair enough. Terrible implications. Yeah. Well, uh, so. also the amount of like detritus that gets stuck in the atmosphere spinning around, like there's tons of space garbage from all the launchings yeah space debris yeah space yeah space debris and i heard that in china going back to your shooting rockets bombs off they they had a launch pad and it's like right beside a major city or something like that and that was like a huge controversy i don't know if you ever heard of this no i haven't uh it doesn't surprise me that you know china (laughs) would build It's more convenient, right? You can just walk to work. (laughs) (laughs) The commute's awesome. Yeah. So um, I, I guess it's like, well, what's, what's next for you? You're going to keep trying to get these proposals in and. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I'm also trying uh, to go into more modeling of uh, icy planets. So they're Mm. like snowball earths that may exist uh, out there and how we may be able to detect them. Uh, But that's also, yeah, so what I do is also very dependent on future technology, right? And I don't know what tomorrow holds. uh, Right. But you'll always have a job. I don't know, dude. Like, uh, (laughs) I guess I can always teach, you know? (laughs) Right. That's what all grad students tell themselves. At least I can teach. Uh, So you're done being are, are you going in your uh doctorate program right now so so yeah i'm in my doctorate program uh okay. i'm going to graduate in two years so i have nice. two years before i uh regretted not looking for a job during the two years that i had <laughs> <laughs> and and is this your thesis statement this k2 uh 141b so it's a good chunk of it yeah so um yeah yeah so uh simple model of k2 141b and then more physics that's my next project or my current project right now yeah uh, and then it's the uh icy icy planets uh icy earths so earth sides planet they're a form of ice and and so the ice will form an atmosphere of water vapor and that might be observable right. uh through the james webb Space telescope uh yeah. it has a very important job <laughs> to do a uh, lot of lot of expectations for that mission well I'm, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll pull through. I, I definitely, so they're launching in 2020, October, 2021. Uh, yeah, that's what Google tells me. Okay. I definitely want to hear more about this. So. Oh, as, dude, it's a, uh, it's huge news. Uh, just, just Google chains, web space telescope. There's a lot of people talking about it. As I said, it's like a $20 billion mission. You know, a lot, a lot of eggs in this one basket right here. Wow. So. It, and it's launching from Europe. Is that correct? No, no, no. So, uh, so, so European Space Agency is going to take over the job of launching it. Yeah. So, so they're mission launch- control. They're mission yeah, control. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the the thing with launches actually is that you want to launch as close to the equator as possible. Uh, oh. Because so it's, it's less like- less rotation, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's something about the angular momentum of Earth's orbit, and so I think the Coriolis effect or whatever. Uh, actually, the Coriolis effect—it's uh, more prominent on the uh, when you're closer to the poles. Right. Uh, but I think on the on the equator is actually where the Earth spins the fastest, and I think that's why they want to launch it there because it it has like more angular momentum to uh, orientate itself into space and get further out 
and just keep going, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's why uh, U.S. launches is in Florida, right? It's like yep. one of the southernmost. Uh, it's I don't know if it's the southernmost state though. I wonder if Texas is more southern than Florida. I don't know. The U.S. is a mystery. <laughs> Still to this day. Yeah. Well, Zhang, thank you so much for uh, for telling us about your research and the Hell Planet, uh, and. You know, I look forward to hearing from you again as, as more research comes out. So, you know, keep keep pumping these papers out, man, because people are definitely interested. Did you did you know that you're going to get this much buzz from this planet? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, and, and to be honest, there's actually very little of my doing. Uh, one of my supervisors, Nick, Nick Cowan, he's the second name in the paper. Yeah. He was like super on it with the, the press release. He was like, "Yo, we're gonna we're gonna set our press release. We're gonna Hashtag. talk to reporters." Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I regretted uh, not uh, not posting it to Reddit or Twitter or anything. <laughs> I was a, uh, I was low key about the whole project. Well, you're, let, you're... The, let the let the work do the talk, you know. Well, you, like I said, man, this is fascinating stuff. So keep it up. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you again. All right, for sure. Thanks right. for having me. Thank you, Zhang. Right, take care. And I, I didn't lose you this time. Yeah, both our <laughs> internet, we're good. There you go. Okay, man. Well, hey, you take care and uh, we'll keep in touch, all right? Once again, that was Zhang Nguyen from York University, researcher and exoplanet weatherman sharing with us what this hell planet looks like it made me think about the universe in general and how there has to be other planets out there with with life and if there isn't and we're the only ones then i think it's high time that we start treating this planet with some more respect if we're the winners of this cosmological lottery that we're the only ones given this, this earth, that's the perfect distance from the sun and so forth that life's able to, to be here. Then I think it's, it's time that we made some changes in the end. It, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we're only going to wipe ourselves out. And if we do, the earth is going to be just fine without us. It's going to keep going on and, life will continue. So really, we just owe it to ourselves to make this world a kinder, cleaner place than the way that we got it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. I got a lot to think about. And I look forward to being with you again soon. Bye now. Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant. And I'm probably wrong about everything.